0: M-S-O-W Media. Thank you to HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, for sponsoring this episode. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50dailybeans and use code 50dailybeans for 50% off plus free shipping.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Hello and welcome to The Daily Beans for Thursday, August 10th, 2023. We have a very special episode of The Daily Beans today. I am going to be talking to a Marine veteran human rights advocate and candidate for county supervisor in San Diego's 4th District. Please welcome Janessa Goldbeck.
1: Hi, Allison. Thanks so much for
0: having me. Hi, Janessa. I am so excited to talk to you. I know that we have been Going back and forth, talking back and forth, particularly about women's veterans issues and military sexual trauma and a lot of the work that you've done there, a lot of the local politics that you've been involved in in San Diego, which is where I live. And uh, I came home one day and found a mailer on my door with your beautiful face on it. And I was like, we need to chat because you're running for county supervisor in San Diego's fourth district. Let's talk yeah, about well, that. Why you know, did you decide that? Local government is position? really
1: where the rubber meets the road on some of our region's most pressing crises and challenges, as well as some of the fights that we're having at the, the national level, you know, whether it comes down to um, being able to stand up for LGBTQ rights, Uh, Or push back against sort of the rising tide of hate and discrimination that we're seeing across the country. Uh, Really, local government is where what's being targeted. So, I decided to jump into this race uh, because I think it's really important that we have leaders at every level of government who are willing to not just be allies in the fight for equality and a more inclusive society, but are going to be champions. That's what I've spent my career. Doing as a as an advocate at the federal, state, and local level,
2: so I want to put that experience to work on behalf of my hometown.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's probably the best thing that folks can do. You know, if they if they're asking, we have so many people like, what can I do? What can I do locally? If you're able to run. For something, I think that that is one of the best ways that you can have an impact on your community. Let's talk about the fourth district. Tell yeah, me about well, the fourth district this amazing in San County, County
1: is the most diverse district in our region. Uh, I represents uh, it, it encompasses over eight hundred thousand residents. Um, it has a major uh, portion of veterans and military families. One of the densest uh, populations of military veterans and families in the country, actually, in District Four. It's got the heart of the LGBTQ community, um, as well as um, significant slices of Black community, Latino community, AAPI community, and rural unincorporated parts of the county. So we have multiple cities within the district um, and rural unincorporated places. So it's diverse in a lot of different ways. There are a lot of different communities who are seeking very different things, which is one of the aspects of it that makes it so interesting uh, to me, because it really is going to require someone who is willing to get out into the community, uh, talk to folks who have very different backgrounds and make sure that we're representing all of
2: them.
0: Yeah. And how do you approach that? I mean, obviously, as a military veteran and as a member of the LGBTQ community, what are some of the issues that sort of bring those groups together? Because it, it, it I assume that it's tricky the thing I've noticed, though, is that in a lot of towns and districts and counties that are as diverse as the Fourth, I've noticed that at the center of it all, we all can agree on a lot of different things: bodily autonomy, those kinds of freedoms, rights, individual rights, democracy, standing up for democracy, safety, well, jobs. I mean, so me where, of, where do you normally an start? Officer
1: in the Marine Corps, you know, um, I had. Marines and sailors from all walks of life, at the end of the day, you have to all come together to accomplish the mission. And here in San Diego County, one of the biggest missions that every elected leader and a lot of community groups and many concerned citizens are focused on is ending homelessness. Uh, Regardless of what part of the county you live in, whether you're in the unincorporated areas or a city, everyone is concerned. San Diego County is one of the most expensive counties in the country. Our rents just surpassed San Francisco's. And all that is contributing to a skyrocketing homeless um, issue. And so we really have to come together across the aisle, regardless of political party or background um, and find solutions. The county can be very impactful in a lot of different ways. The county has the largest budget of any government entity in the region, over $8.1 billion. It also supervises health and human services services. Um, and our sheriff's department. So there is a lot that can be done to both create more emergency shelters for people who are currently unhoused, as well as really address our mental health crisis. We have a severe shortage of psychiatric beds across the region. We have a severe shortage of behavioral health workers, psychiatric nurses, counselors, social workers. And so we really need to lean in. The county needs to take a much larger, more proactive role at helping fill those gaps.
0: yeah, and that sort of ties in with criminal justice reform uh, when when we get right down to it. And I want to talk about that, but I want to do that in a second because I wanted to go back to what you were saying about one of the you know causes of of homelessness in San Diego County and counties around the country. And that are these major corporations buying up properties and turning them into either Airbnb or renting them out and, you know, just becoming these corporate landlords. It happened. This the house right next door to me. The family had to had to leave, and, and because it was purchased by by a corporate landlord and turned into an Airbnb, so it's been a struggle. And I know that that impacts both the military and veteran community and the community writ large. So, what are some of the things that you have? I know you've already been working on these things. How does You're that leadership right. translate and into county supervisors? We supervisor?
1: have to work hand in hand with our state partners to. Get the state to take some real action on this uh, because our affordable low income and middle income housing stock is being bought up um, and the, the rents are being jacked up as a result. And that has an incredible impact um, on working families, on people who are struggling uh, just to make rent, let alone even think about home ownership. So, one, we need to make sure we're working hand in hand with our state partners to, to pass legislation that really cracks down on this. And I'm, I'm proud to be endorsed by the majority of our state legislative delegation. Uh, We also need to build more housing and do it as quickly as possible in places where it makes sense to do that, that are environmentally sound and and safe. But we have had a real issue with meeting our state-mandated housing production goals um, over the last few decades. And we're now experiencing the result of that, which is that uh, we have both corporate uh, major companies purchasing housing and and raising the rents, and then we don't have enough new housing to be able to kind of stabilize the market. So that is all contributing to the crisis. As you mentioned, we have a a really large military uh, population here in San Diego County, Navy bases, Marine Corps bases, Coast Guard station, and a lot of those folks live out in town. Um, Some of them live as far away as Rainbow or uh, Riverside County having to commute 45 minutes, hour and a half in to go to work. My last duty station was MCRD San Diego, our West Coast boot camp. And we had drill instructors there who would spend 18 hours on the drill field, running around, teaching recruits, and then have to drive home an hour and a half and turn around four hours later and come back the same day. That isn't good for troop welfare. It's not good for the environment. And it's certainly not good for quality of life. So we we have to get smarter about how we produce more housing more efficiently.
0: Right. And that sort of morale, at least in the military, that's how it's impacted at, at the county supervisor level. We know we see it being negatively impacted by people like Senator Tommy Tuberville at the national level, blocking promotions, uh, lowering morale, uh, trying to overturn a Pentagon policy that helps pregnant active duty service members uh, seek reproductive health care outside of states where that kind of care is banned or transgender health care, for example where you're on a base that doesn't have a military treatment facility and you need to travel. By the way, a policy I helped enact, and now he's, you know, kind of putting a huge dent in our national security by not allowing these promotions to go through. But that's what's so important about our local politics. It all trickles up to to the federal level. Let's talk a little bit about what I just mentioned, which is how the criminal justice reform sort of dovetails with our mental health and healthcare reform and what that looks like at well, your
1: level. I'm, I and currently serve on our, our county's behavioral health advisory board. And in that role, I've been able to learn a lot about the intersection of mental health, our mental health crisis and our uh, criminal justice system. And the absurd and tragic reality in San Diego County and in places across the country is that we use our jails as our region's largest mental health care providers. And what that means is if someone is having an acute psychiatric episode, there are really two places that they typically go. One is the ER and the other is jail. And far too frequently, people who are having psychiatric episodes wind up in an interaction with a law enforcement officer that can result in something tragic or deadly. And that is that has to change. So one way the county can play a role and county supervisors can play a role is by expanding A new program we have that are called mobile crisis response teams where trained psychiatric staff and social workers are the first responders uh, to folks who are having a mental health crisis as opposed to an armed law enforcement officer. And that program has been incredibly successful at diverting people uh, from jails. Second is we have to expand the number of psychiatric beds we have. This isn't just a San Diego problem or a California problem. This is nationwide. In our county, we have about half the number of beds we need. Um, We have to lean into aggressively figuring out how to open more, as well as attract the appropriate workforce to be able to meet the scale of the demand. Um, So all of these things have to happen, kind of have to do everything everywhere all at once, uh, to quote the movie that won the Oscar last year um, when it comes to our mental health crisis. But we also have to make sure that we're holding are uh, jail systems accountable when people die in custody and in San Diego County we actually have one of the highest death rates in the state in our county jails uh, because we have not been able to properly staff them with the right kind of medical personnel who can appropriately check people and ensure that they are you know they are not going to uh, have a medical episode while they're in custody so we have to work to divert. We have to work to have long-term care facilities where once people um, are stabilized, they can live with supportive services. And we have to make sure that while people are in custody, we are treating them humanely, that they have the appropriate medical services that they need, and then hold the sheriff's department and, and law enforcement accountable for anything that that occurs under their watch. Um, just like when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, I I I love being a Marine. I was a captain, combat engineer. I also served as a uniformed victim advocate, helping service members who had experienced sexual assault. And in that role, I saw how broken and disjointed our system was for caring for service members who had experienced that, and also prosecuting those who had um, who had perpetrated. And I believe, uh, you know, that if you care about a system and you that you want to make it better, you have to put as much sunlight on the problem as possible. Transparency is key. As an active duty captain, I was a vocal advocate for transforming our system, making it more independent and more transparent. Um, and I would bring the same set of skills and judgment to our, uh, our law enforcement when it comes
2: to county county jail deaths.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk more about your work as a uniformed victims advocate and how you will fight for the vulnerable and and also how you know, your experience, uh, your toughness and your grit will help get the county back on track from numerous scandals. But I do have to take a quick break. So I want everybody to stick around and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, I need to take a moment to talk about HelloFresh, the perfect solution for hassle-free cooking. They deliver fresh ingredients and easy to follow recipes right to your home, turning meal prep from a chore to a delight. You've got places to be and standing in the checkout line is not one of them. Leave the meal planning and grocery shopping to HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50DailyBeans and use code 50DailyBeans for 50% off plus free shipping. A few days ago, I was running behind. Luckily, HelloFresh had a quick and easy meal because I'm on the go all the time. Just 30 minutes later, I had their blackened catfish with crispy roasted potatoes and caramelized vegetables. It was fresh. It was tasty. It was delicious. And I was able to get back on schedule. So if your family is snackish, HelloFresh lets you supplement your weekly order with over 100 additional snacks, sides, and more. Plus, they keep dinner exciting with 40 chef design recipes each week, spanning categories like family, friendly, and fit and wholesome. And if you're too busy for a grocery run, HelloFresh has you covered. It's 25% cheaper than takeout and less pricey than the grocery shopping. Enjoy the flavors of the journey of home cooking thanks to HelloFresh. Take a bite out of summer. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50DailyBeans and use code 50DailyBeans for 50% off plus free shipping. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with Marine veteran and candidate for county supervisor in the 4th District of San Diego, Janessa Goldbeck. Uh, Janessa, before the break, you mentioned that you were a uniformed victims advocate. I myself am a survivor of military sexual trauma, but also a survivor of domestic violence. And it was very, very difficult for me to be able to press charges. There was an arrest, a felony, assault, arrest, and then a release on bail. I was threatened again and had to flee the city. They couldn't find him. And then by the time I called to press charges, they were on vacation for Christmas. And when they got back, they said, it's too late, which I thought was weird because I don't think the statute of limitations is three weeks on on felony assault. But I found it was just very difficult to navigate the system as a victim. And your experience with this, how how is that going to come to bear on how we can fix that well, system? Well, first and foremost, and advocate we have for to victims. ensure
1: that people are educated on what resources are are available to them. Oftentimes, victims of any crime are at a loss, other than calling nine one one. Um, and and you know they they really don't know what to do next, and so the county has a number of different resources for victims of lots of different types of crimes, uh, whether that's uh, elder abuse or someone who is a victim of wage theft on their job site. Um, and we have established these these offices that investigate crimes like this, uh, but they're often siloed, you know, within the government system. And most people who are most vulnerable are not able to go downtown to the county building in the middle of a workday to talk to the one staff member in the office of wage theft, for instance. So I think it's really important that we shift our thinking from just, oh, we've established an office or we've created this system and now it's incumbent on people to come to us. We need to flip the script and think, how do we get this outreach pushed out into communities, ensure that we have a culturally appropriate culturally sensitive people who can do the intake, maybe who speak the language. We have a lot of different languages here in San Diego County, um, so that these services don't just exist, but that they're accessible and usable to people who often um, are not going to be able to come all the way down to the government building to have a conversation. And um, that also includes educating our county workforce. We have over 20,000 employees who uh, work in departments like child welfare, welfare services and senior services and in-home supportive services, making sure that those folks have the education and knowledge of what sort of resources are available so that they can make that available to their clients
2: is really important. I worked for the
0: Department of Veterans Affairs for over a decade, so I can definitely commiserate with those who uh, have a difficult time navigating a government system 100%. to find out what yeah, when I got out of Marine
1: Corps, uh, are. <laughs> as a, you know, 30 something with, uh, it was in the middle of getting my master's degree. I did not know I was eligible for VA healthcare. And in fact, I thought I wasn't because I got out after seven years, not, uh, you know, didn't didn't do the full 20. And it wasn't until months later that um, a a counselor from the VA actually reached out to me over Facebook and asked me if I was, you know, enrolled and kind of asked me a couple of questions. And then three days later, I was enrolled in the VA system with free health care for the rest of my life. That's a life-changing thing. And if it wasn't for that one counselor who came and found me in the Facebook group I was in uh, for women veterans, I never would have known that. Or it might have been years until I knew that. So I really take that lesson to heart and yeah. I think about all the people out there. Um, who don't know that there are services and options available to them, that we potentially have spent millions and millions of dollars funding, um, we need to make sure that we are getting the information out to the people.
0: I had to appear in an Oscar-nominated documentary about military sexual trauma before somebody reached out to Insane. me and told me about my benefits. So <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, and so that I think that your experience not only with You know, what you've done with the city, but what you did in the military and just being just by the virtue of being a veteran, understand navigating those kinds of uh, bureaucracies, making that that information accessible to everybody and how important it is uh, to do that. I mean, it's why I went to work for the VA. I'm like, these people need to know that they could come and, and get help. They just don't even they don't even realize it. Let's talk a little bit about um, being tough enough to get the county back on track because we've got all sorts of scandals and problems with career politicians who have got their heels dug in. They've just, I guess, been subsumed in the quagmire of bureaucracy so long that they are incapable of understanding human persons. So talk a little bit about.
1: Yeah, I got uh, into this race back in February Uh, thinking that I was running for a seat that would be open in a few years when the incumbent moved on to the state Senate. He had announced he was running uh, for another seat. And so I, I thought I had this great plan, you know, two and a half years, nice and slow, have plenty of time to have all the conversations. Then a couple of weeks after I announced. A scandal erupted and the incumbent resigned. And I think this is really illustrative of, you know, the sort of cynicism that people feel about politics and politicians, uh, that people are just climbing a ladder, that they're not really there for the public good, that uh, they are going to take advantage of things that are, you know, not available to other citizens or regular people. And I've spent 15 years as a policy advocate. My day-to-day job, I run a national veterans advocacy organization, as you know, represents over a million and a half vets and military family members. And our job is to elevate their voices in policy conversations that have an impact on their lives, whether that's at the federal level, state level, or, or locally. And we've been able to pass legislation that people have said is impossible to pass. Um, we passed a major conservation of public lands package during the Trump administration um, by thinking creatively about how to build a coalition that would actually get Republicans' attention. And so we actually used our voices as veterans to go after Republican senators who lived in states or represented states with large outdoor recreation economies and were on the ballot uh, that cycle. And so we made it an issue, an electoral issue for them. So they made it an issue for President Trump at the time. I don't know if you remember, uh, there was a bill signing where President Trump held up a, a bill and said, Yosemite, and he meant Yosemite. Um, <laughs> tell me you've never been to a <laughs> national park without telling me you've never been to a national park. Uh, that was our bill. That was President Trump signing one of the largest investments in public lands and conservation in a half century. And that's how we got it done, by thinking creatively and and using... our our powers as veterans, so to speak, uh, to bring people on board. And that's, I think, what people want. They they don't want politicians who are just going to stand in their corners and yell past each other um, to make the biggest point or sound the smartest or the most progressive or the most conservative. They want people who are going to move the ball forward. And that doesn't mean that we have to compromise on our values. uh, But it does mean that when we can find places to compromise on policy that actually get things a little further down the road and make people's lives a little bit better, uh, that we should do that. And um, I'm proud to say I passed a piece of legislation that president Trump signed because the impact is a, is a really big deal. Um, Similarly, I'm proud of the work that we did around the PACT act to expand veterans healthcare benefits to over 5 million vets nationwide and county government in particular. uh, Right now, this is a two, two board. The open seat will determine the balance uh, between Democrats and Republicans And I'm a proud Democrat, uh, have been my entire life, um, but I'm willing to work across the aisle to get things done, to address homelessness and address our mental health crisis and make living in San Diego a little bit easier for everyday people.
2: It brings it back to how we
0: started this conversation with how you reach across that diverse district to all members of it and come up with solutions. That kind of creativity, that kind of thinking outside of the box uh, way of approaching uh, things to get things done, I think is it's a it's a Democratic value. We saw Joe Biden do it with the Infrastructure Act. Did you ever think that the Republicans would agree to spending two trillion dollars on infrastructure? I was blown away at the ability to do that, reach across the aisle. So you have every every reason to be proud of getting that Legislation, the Yosemite legislation passed. How do you not watch Bugs Bunny as a kid? I don't. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, let's let's um, let's end on a couple of questions that I have about your plans for the rural community because they often get left behind, and that creates some cantankerousness uh, amongst uh, folks, particularly in Sandy. It's what makes San Diego County not blue. And so talk a little bit because we got we got we've covered the military and the veterans. We got that covered. Let's talk about the rural. Let's talk about uh, those folks and how the thing a Democratic that candidate people can, can maybe help don't
1: them. realize about county government is each city within the county has its own local government, whether it's a city council or mayor, the rural, unincorporated parts of the county, the County supervisors are their mayor. Uh, they are their local government, and so it's imperative that the supervisor who represents them understands that and has an, a, a robust um, constituent services department that gets out there and talks to people because they have literally no one else. You are their advocate, which is why it's so important to have somebody who has really strong relationships at the federal level and the state level because that is that is what funds their roads and their infrastructure. So. Um, I I think it's really important to take that mentality in. I was actually out um, in Rancho San Diego last night. This is part of the unincorporated part of San Diego County, uh, where the residents, hundreds of residents, had gathered to voice their opposition to a proposed sand mine that is being dropped in the middle of a residential community next to schools, um, proposing uh, daily um, tens and tens of daily heavy-duty truck trips on their already really rough roads. And the community has been fighting this for years, but eventually it'll go in front of a county p- uh, planning commission, and then it, w- it, it may eventually be elevated to the level of the board of supervisors. And it was really important for me to be out there to stand with the community in opposition uh, to this um, very destructive, very environmentally dangerous project that would be uh, literally next door to where kids are playing, uh, putting silica in the air and all kinds of other things, Um And let them know that I not only hear them, but this is a priority for me. And it's tough because this district, the majority of people in the district live in the urban core of San Diego. And so it's easy for that to become the priority uh, for the board. And so it's just really important that we balance those things that I think, you know, if you ever want to know how your Marines and sailors are living as you know, you you go to their barracks without telling them. You just show up. Um, you'll see what's really there. You show up in the shop um, without giving advance warning. And that way the sergeants don't have time to polish everything and make it all spiffy. You just have to show up. And that's that's <laughs> how I led in the Marine Corps. It's how I lead now. And
2: that's how I lead as an elected supervisor. For those of us who <laughs> uh, don't question. know, what is a sand It is mine?
1: literally uh, a big hole in the ground where they pull sand out. Sand is a really important part of construction materials like cement, which is one of the most expensive construction materials. So it is important to mine sand locally so that you, if you can, so you don't have to transport it over hundreds of miles, which obviously has an emissions impact and a, uh, just an expense impact. But usually sand mines are located away from, it's an industrial site. They're usually located away from places where people live and go to school. And this one is literally, uh, the, the proposal is to flip uh, an unused golf course that is in the middle of a housing development into an industrial
2: sand mine. I, that, that's what
0: stood out to me, was where they wanted to do this. It's like the old Save by the Bell, where they wanted to put an oil... Derek in the middle. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. Um,
1: (laughs) I've I've worked to uh, to stop or move mining operations in other parts of the country through Vet Voice Foundation during the Trump administration. They wanted to actually uh, start uranium mining in the Grand Canyon, if you can believe it. This is like supervillain level status uh, extraction. But, you know, usually it's like out in a more rural area and you have to fight, you know, for biodiversity and protecting wild spaces. This project is just a real head scratcher.
0: Yeah, that is uh, that is odd, but yeah, to show up and be like, no, I'm I'm with you on this, I th- and I end up being your government because you're unincorporated, unincorporated part of the county. And we've got so much money coming in now from the infrastructure bill. We've got this $30 billion coming in to get broadband up in those areas that don't have it. And we definitely want somebody uh, at, at the helm steering those dollars that knows where they need to go and stands up for folks who don't get a lot of attention like the people in Rancho San Diego. So I think that you definitely have uh, your finger on the pulse there. Do you have any other, uh, before we get out of here, any other uh, platform things that you want to share with us or, and also tell us where you, we can support you, your website, where we can donate, where we can donate money, where we can donate time or uh, some sort of action? I know that a lot of listeners love to do postcard writing campaigns and text banking I would so can absolutely you give everybody love that information have, before we get uh, out of here any
1: help and support we've got a great grassroots campaign up and running um if you're in San Diego we'd love to have you come into our office and and I'd love to meet you in person you can go to my website janessagoldbeck.com uh, there you can donate every dollar truly counts i know every candidate says that but we have a special election uh, in less than 3 weeks and it really makes a difference in how we can communicate with voters you can also volunteer. You can do that from anywhere in the country. There's a volunteer sign-up form on my website. Sign up there, and I guarantee you my campaign manager, Catherine, will be in touch uh, in less than 48 hours, but we'd love to have your help calling, texting, uh, or writing to voters. And then finally, um, you know, I did want to just mention, you mentioned Tuberville earlier. I know you have a national audience, and uh, Vet Voice Foundation is the 501c3 arm, nonprofit arm of vote vets. And we've been doing a lot of work uh, at the at the national level now to really hold Tupperville accountable, uh, both because what he's doing is horrible for military readiness. And it's also uh, because we have been on the front lines of the of the fight to ensure that veterans and active duty service members have access to reproductive health care. Um, so if you're interested in learning more about that, we just um we just sent a letter signed by thirteen general officers to, Mitch McConnell demanding that the Republican Party do more to pressure Tuberville to release his hold. We also bought an ad. Um, we, we bought ad space in Alabama and put an ad on the air starring the five women veterans who are, are now are national security professionals who are in Congress right now uh, calling him out on, on this ridiculous hold. So we're doing lots of things. There's lots of different ways to get in the fight on that action. So if that's important to you, please check out vetvoicefoundation.org and and get involved there. But um, very much appreciate being on the show. You know, it's a full sprint through the finish line here. And uh, yeah, I just, it means a lot to me that we get to connect in this way,
2: off of Twitter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, outside of Twitter. Uh, Agreed, 100%. And I do want to talk to you offline about some of the vote vet stuff and see how many ways there are. I can help with that as well. So Stick around with me after I let everyone else off the hook here. Uh, Thank you so much for listening today, everybody. We will be back in your ears tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, vote blue over Q, and bring someone with you. I've been the Daily A.G., Beans is written and, executive and them's The produced Beans. Produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.
3: Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis,